right, good morning, evening, good evening. It's kind of weird to stand up here in the evening like this. We'll have a couple of stragglers come in here in just a few minutes, getting off work. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight, and, and we're going we're gonna to preach for just a few minutes, and then we are going to have communion. We're gonna, it's going to be a little bit different than what uh, we're used to. Sorry. Microphone's falling apart. Y'all don't want to hear me spitting that. Messed it up, James. Okay, you're gonna have to hear me spit in it. But I've, I had a thought um, Sunday night. I had a lot of thoughts Sunday night. It was really nice to be able to sit right there, sit right there, and listen to the scripture being read, and just. Just look. Um, if you notice, the kids, the three of them, four of them, five of them, four out of five didn't budge. And the fifth one budged. I said, if them wings had a budge, she'd have flew out of here. And she's everywhere. But I, got, I just got an opportunity just to and listen and look. And it dawned on me Sunday night, this thought, how a baby changes everything. I've never really thought of it that way, but a baby changes everything, and not just Jesus. Jesus, and we'll talk about him here in just a second, but I just want you for a moment just to think about childbirth. Think about your first one, your second one, your third one, fourth one, whatever, however many you have. Think about how it changed when you found out from the found out you was pregnant and you was going to have a baby. Think about how things changed. You start planning. You got nine months or eight months. And you start planning, how, how are we going to be prepared? You, you start taking parenting classes. You go and you take Lamaze classes, and then you take CPR classes, and, and you read books on parenting, and you, you try to get yourself prepared for what you can't be prepared for. There's no way on God's to be prepared to be a parent. Because whatever you read in a book, just because everything's different. I always look at the difference between Abby and Paisley. And I hear James Tapp talk about the difference between Ariel and Cindy. The kids, I don't know about Keith, were they, how bad were they? You don't have to answer that right now. <laughs> we'll talk after church. But you think about it, and then uh, I've heard Jerry and Doris both have talked about how y'all's kids are all a little different here and there. So you can't, you can't judge the next kid and the next kid off the first kid because Abby set the bar high, didn't she? Yeah. You can see, yeah. It's, a good, it's a good thing, Abby, setting the bar high. But think about how a child or how children can set or just change everything. Just not in a bad way. Just change everything. Your responsibility, your finances change, your, your plans, your timing. Everything changes because of a child, because of a baby. But one baby changed the world. Now, Genesis 3.15, and I'm going to be over all over the place. If you're going to follow along, just stick with Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1. But if you go back into Genesis, and that's kind of the first glimpse that we see, kind of the, we'll just say it's the uh, first prophecy about Jesus. Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity, enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And that's the first prophecy of the baby who would grow into a man and would crush Satan, crush the head of Satan. 
And then we're going to travel on a few thousand years into the Old Testament and look at Malachi 3.1. It says, Behold, I will send my messenger. Now, this is not Jesus. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to, the, to his temple. And even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, this messenger right here, again, is John the Baptist. So we're talking about Jesus first, Jesus changing the world, changing everything. But John the Baptist did the same thing. John the Baptist was another one of those kids that changed a lot because of what he did, and that was to go and preach the gospel. He was the forerunner for Jesus Christ. So he went and he prepared a lot of hearts, and he prepared uh, a lot of the region where he lived for Jesus, forerunner. So you look at Elizabeth. And I, I love the story where Mary and Elizabeth get together and they talk and, and John, how, how the, the fetus, how the baby leapt in the womb. I love that story. I love that part, how he leapt in the, in the womb. And then John comes out, John grows up. That baby John changed, I'll just say he changed the world. But then we have Jesus that comes along and he does even more. He's, John paved the way. And then Jesus came and he changed the world. Now, between Genesis and Malachi, there's over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled through his birth, death, and the resurrection. But before they were all fulfilled, there was a scripture. And we've talked about this, I know, in Sunday school, too. There's a, a, a lull. There's a, a, about 400, 400 years, whatever, of time where there's no prophecy written. I'm not saying that there wasn't any spoken, but there's not any written that we know about. And so just lull in there and nobody I mean that's 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 over four generations of not not hearing prophecy or not really knowing much about the the Messiah coming no new prophecies were ever introduced to mankind and, and mankind just waited but then just as promised the baby Jesus is born and absolutely everything changes and we're going to look at the three things tonight that were changed there's three things that that Jesus changed, and the first ones that we're going to look at are his parents. We're going to look at Mary and Joseph. Changed their lives for all, forever. Luke one twenty six through 33. I'm going to read this for you all. You can keep your seat. It says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou not art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled as his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Let's pray. Father, this evening we just want to thank you again for an opportunity to come and, and fellowship and worship with my brothers and my sisters. God, we just thank you for uh, this time that we have set aside uh, to not only uh, recognize and honor 
the birth of your son Jesus Christ, but also the death and the resurrection of your son Jesus Christ. And it's such a, a rare occasion for us to do something like this. And I thank you, Lord, for, uh, for putting this together for us. Lord, and I pray that we honor it. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just be with this congregation today as, as we preach, be with those that could not be here today. Uh, Father, we just want to continue to lift up the sick and the, those that are grieved uh, through this Christmas season, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done this week and what you're going to do for us for the remainder of the week. I listen your son's name, we pray. Amen. Now, when the angel visited Mary, she was, she was a young girl who had never been with a man. Um, when I say young, she's probably around 13, 14 years old. That's the age that they're, they're figuring on her. So that's young. And so she's been with a man. Her life, if you, if you look at it, it's completely shaken up whenever the angel comes and speaks to her and tells her she's going to give birth, but not just to give birth. She was going to be giving birth to Son of God. So that really shake you up right there. It's one thing to to uh, to uh, not be married and to be, but to to be espoused or engaged, pregnant, and then find out not only that, but it's going to be the Son of God. Then that that'll kind of get you right there. So as a young woman of the day, she was no doubt uh, she no doubt knew about the Messiah. If you if you look at any of the tradition. The, the, these these girls got equal training, education, same education boys did back then when it came to Jewish tradition. So they got to go to the synagogue. Now, if you ever look at one of the old synagogues, there was a left and a right, and so the girls went on one side and the, and the boys went to the other side. Uh, I'm pretty sure the guys were on the left-hand side, the girls were on the right-hand side. And even if you go to the Wailing Wall right now in Jerusalem, it's the same way. They don't allow them to go in together to worship together at the Wailing Wall. Girls go to the right. Boys go to the left. But they were still trained. So we have Mary here who is probably educated at her age, and it's fresh on her mind. She has uh, grown up under uh, strict Jewish law, and so she has, uh, she's very familiar with the Messiah and uh, the prophecy that has been uh, taught and read in the Old Testament. So she knows of a Messiah coming. She's heard it her whole life, but she is just not prepared for the fact that He's coming through her. She will bear that child. She had no way of knowing that now was the time, and she had been chosen to carry the Son of God. No way to prepare that for that. Even at a young age, I don't believe anybody could have come to young Mary and said, Hey, Mary, um, just so you know, God's going to pick you at a later date to, to bear His Son. You couldn't be prepared for that. It's just like I said about parenting. As a parent, you can't be prepared to parent. There's the only book that's written that can help us be good parents is the Bible. We can read every self-help. We can read every parenting uh, magazine that's out there and get all over the Internet and Google how to, how to raise a youngin and see what you come up with. It might be more accurate than what you read somewhere else nowadays. But the Bible's the only thing we've got that gives us 100% accurate uh, details on how to raise our children. Mary was not prepared for this, but God said, you are. If you look back at that, it says that, um, it says, and the angel came into her and said, hail thou that art highly favored. She was, God loved her and said, she's the one. She is the one, she is the one that I want to bear my son to, not just carry him. I want you to get past the birth for just a moment. Being a mother is more than just having a baby. It's nonstop, even after motherhood. 
Mary, she's nodding right now. It don't stop, does it? Because you're always going to be mama. Always going to be mama. And they're going to come to you for details. They're going to need help. They're going to need advice. They're going to need, they're going to need money. <laughs> they're going to need all kinds of things when they get older. So you, you're not a vessel to carry the baby and to let it go on its own. You're a mama for life. God said Mary is going to be a good mama for life. He could see her, just see her, and knew how great a parent she was going to be, how great a mom she was going to be. Now, over in Matthew uh, chapter 1, I'm going to, we're going to switch over to... Uh, let me get here, wherever we're going. All right, so now we're going to get over here to, to Matthew chapter 1 and look at, at Joseph for just a moment. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, now listen to this part, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, when Joseph learned of the news about Mary being pregnant, he should have killed her. I mean, that's about as blunt as you can get. He should have put her away. He should have taken her for whoever, the, the higher-ups there in the community, that he should have taken her and made her a public example of what not to do. Just think about what Jesus went through on the cross. He was made a public example. This is what happens to you when you claim to be someone like God. When you claim to be the Messiah, when you claim, of course, they had all these other false uh, accusations against him. What they've done is they put Jesus on the cross on the roadside so that people could see him crucified. And when they put that sign up above his head, and that's for everybody to read. That's what they had done back then. They always put a sign on the cross that, that, that give their charge. This is what he's charged with. This is what she's charged with. If you do that, we're going to charge you with it, and you're going to be crucified just like they are. Mary should have been made an example. She should have been taken out in the courts and stoned to death. But God, God laid it on Joseph's heart through that angel. He said, just take care of her. Just take care of her. He said, I, I'm going to read that scripture again. It says, and Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her public example, was minded to put her away privily, privately. Take care of her privately. Just take care of her. After all, he... How could she be pregnant if she had not been with another man? So he had every right to put her away, but he killed. He just hit her. Now, everything in, in the lives of Mary and Joseph had changed. She gives birth to the Son of God. We know that. We read it. We've read it a lot here the past couple of weeks. She gives birth, and she, above anyone else, knew this was the Son of God. Joseph knew it as well, not just because angels said it, but he believed his wife. Trust in that relationship. When she said, I've not been with another man that I have conceived through the Holy Spirit, he said, I believe you. There was trust 
in that relationship. What? That's just remarkable. You don't even see that much in, in, in relationships anymore. That kind of trust. Now Joseph obviously questioned it at first, but because of that angel, and because the angel spoke to him, he believed, and he believed. This baby changed everything in their lives. Everything in their lives. Think about where they had to go. Think about going to Egypt. Think about the hiding out that they had to do. Think about the things that, that Mary and Joseph had to do past um, whenever you know, we stopped learning about him around 12 years old or so, whenever he's, he's growing into a young man. We don't know what happened between 12 and 30. 12 and 30. We don't know anything. It's not written down. We don't know what he went through in those teenage years been handy wouldn't it Rita to have some information on Jesus in his teenage years but look at Hunter he turned out right I guess needed we need a lot of instruction and I believe Mary and Joseph are some ideal parents for us we see a trust in the relationship see a trust in God that they have and that God trusted them God has entrusted us as parents to raise these children, our, our children. He has entrusted us. He, he sees us, and he says, I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, however many kids it is, and I'm going to entrust you with them, and you to raise them up, to keep me in your household, to keep your children in church, to keep them grounded in the Word, keep their morals. He, he's entrusted that in us as parents. We talk about not wanting to fail our parents. Don't ever want to hear your parents say, I'm disappointed in you. That's the last thing I ever want to do is disappoint my God, my Heavenly Father. But He's given us responsibility. And so we're to do that. Now this baby changed everything in their lives. And we know that He was 100% man. We know that He was 100% God. We've seen it. I told you, I read it in Isaiah the other day. It just dawned on me. Just reading that, proved Him to be Man and God. Now, we don't really understand that concept. It is, there's so much in the Bible that's hard for us to understand. It's hard to understand how you can be 100% one thing and 100% another thing. How can you be 100% God and be 100% man? It is by faith. It's just like, I got an amen out of him. Did you hear that? <laughs> it's just like the Trinity. We don't understand how you can be three in one. We don't get that. How can you be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? It is by faith that we take that and that we understand it, the best of our knowledge. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. And in that divine power that he had at the cross, he could have called down 10,000 angels to carry him off of that cross to save him. That death, but he didn't. In his humility, through all the suffering he experienced, he chose to stay for us. He chose that. Why would you do that? Why would anybody want to stay on the cross? Why would anybody want to suffer for folks that you don't know? Why would anybody want to do that? If you have an option of suffering and being set free, what are you going to take? What's it going to take to keep there on that cross? What did it take to keep Jesus on that cross? It was love. It was love for us what kept him on that cross he could have come down any time but he said i love you too much 
I love this world too much. I love the folks in 2021 too much. I love the folks in 3021 too much to come off of this cross. I'm going to endure. I'm going to suffer. I am going to die for those that I love. And he loved every single one of us. As a baby who entered the, the world out of love, he decided to change everything. And he did. He has changed everything. He came to offer us a way out because there was not one. We didn't have a way. Because of him. Because he changed everything. God sent his son to do something that we couldn't do ourselves. Jesus accepted that assignment. And it was his love for mankind that kept him on the cross. So that baby changed everything for Mary and Joseph. Now number two... This baby changed everything for the people of his day. Now just think about day and time. Think about Jesus in Jerusalem. Think about that week of Easter on that Holy Week that they call it now. He again was doing what? Fulfilling prophecy. Even at 33 and a half years old, still fulfilling prophecy. He has not stopped. He's going. He's riding into Jerusalem on that, that colt. He was at that moment the most popular person in the world, or at least around in that region. He was so popular because of all the things that he had done. All the, and folks had seen him. Not just... It wasn't just saying, uh, I heard this Jesus healed the blind man. It wasn't, I heard Jesus healed the woman with an uh, uh, issue of blood. I didn't just, they didn't just hear about... Healing the lepers, the, the, the guys with leprosy, the deaf guys, raising the dead. It wasn't hearsay. Folks physically got to see him perform these miracles. And so they were excited, and he was a, he was a star. He was famous then because of what he had done and who he was. The Bible records almost 40 miracles he performed, and every single time it was to meet the need of somebody's life. Every single time he met a need, they, they could see, they were deaf, they could hear, they were lame, they could walk, they were dumb, they could speak. He always met them in their life and changed their lives. Now, can you imagine the change that took place in the families of those that he healed, those that he had touched, those that, whose lives that he changed? If you go back and look at the child that was dead, the child that was dead, raised her she's living imagine that family if you go and you look back at the the man that was born blind his family seen by this man for the very first time born blind but now he got to see his family what a change he made the uh, the those guys that had leprosy y'all remember how i've preached on leprosy before they're outcasts they're not allowed to be friends they're outcast. You stay away. They didn't get to have that physical connection. They couldn't love on their, their, their loved ones or their friends. They couldn't shake their hand. They couldn't give them a side hug. They couldn't be there with them to, to uh, pass over. They couldn't break bread with them. They could not be around them. But Jesus comes in, and he heals the ones with leprosy, and they're running home. He changed their lives. He changed the lives of those that were sick and the family members of those that were sick. It's amazing. His birth changed the region at his time, in his time frame, back in the early 
zeros. <laughs> so many years ago, he changed so many lives. Now here, I want, uh, this is a nice little fact. I want to tell you. I'm gonna tell you this. This is some about useless knowledge. Not only did he change the area where he was born and raised, not only did he change the folks that were around him at that time, moment of his birth, he changed the world. And even today, we see it. And a lot of times we don't think about it. And a lot of times it really atheists about it, it probably rubs them the wrong way. That day, we went from B.C. to A.D., and we're still in A.D. Year of our Lord, B.C. before Christ. Ouch. You okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's bored. He's sitting in hell. Before Jesus, before Christ, after his birth, becomes A.D. He changed the world. He changed time. His birth, time everywhere is measured by the number of years since God became flesh. That's not really useless knowledge. That's pretty good knowledge right there. The baby actually changed the way time was measured around the world. He's changed everything for you and me. I mean, he's changed everything for each one of us. In a good way. First thing, first thing he's done is he's given us peace. I know I, pe- I preached on pre- uh, peace a few weeks ago. He's given each one of us peace. Isaiah tells us, he said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He gives us peace. Jesus tells us, says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto, the, unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He says, Peace I leave with you. That peace is the Holy Spirit. That peace is when you're praying and you're asking God to help you. When you're broken, you can't go any further and you cry. God, and you get peace. That's the Holy Spirit. So He has given us peace. He's given it to every believer. The second thing He's given us, He's given us all purpose. You might be sitting there, and you might be saying, I have no... I can't offer God anything. I can't offer the anything. I can't offer my family anything. Well, I'll be... You're wrong. Because we've got a purpose. Every single one of us, no matter what our age is, we all have a purpose. He's given us a reason to be here, a reason to live. Jeremiah says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. You're not an accident. Babies ain't accidents. They're planned. God has planned them out. I'll argue that all day long. God knows. God orchestrates it out. Before the universe was created, God had you in mind. He planned a purpose for you. Genesis 1-1. When we read Genesis 1-1, I want you to always keep in mind when He's forming the earth and He's creating day and 
and, and the sea. He's putting stars in the skies and he's putting beasts on the fields and he's got fish in the water and, and birds up in the air. When he's putting all this together, you're on his mind. He's thinking about you already. Back at the beginning, he knew what was going to take place right He knew, he knows, he will always know what's going on. So you have a purpose. He has a plan for you. And it's a great plan. Jeremiah says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an extended end. He has a purpose for every single one of us. Third thing, he has offered us a home in heaven. He's offered us a place. He's given us peace. He's offered us peace. He's offered us um, plans, or purpose, I'm sorry. And now he's offering us a place. John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has changed each one of us, you and me. For God so loved the world, and Son, we read that and hopefully we we know that in our heart what that really truly means he has given us peace he has given us purpose he's given us that place because he loves us that child changed your life our children change our lives yeah i agree 100 percent. they they change our but this one child from god changed our lives better these children we have I think they make my life better. I know they make baby in a manger that we sing about. That changed my life for eternity. What more could you ask for? That baby brought us peace. That baby has brought us love and joy and happiness. All the things that we can't find in this world. We can find in Him. Through Him, He changed everything. So this evening, as we close this portion out and we we move into the communion side of it, I just want you to think about this for a second. Has He changed you? Has Jesus changed you? That's a big question. Important question, actually. Has He changed you? Has he made you that new creature that Paul talks about? Do you still have this carnal mind, living in the world, living in the flesh? Or has Jesus changed you? Have you let this little baby, Jesus, change you for the good? Good. We're going to close this portion out now. I'm going to pray. And for just a moment, as I, I want you to pray. Don't listen. Pretend I ain't talking. Here's the part. Because I don't do anything for you. This is the part where you need to ask forgiveness. This is the part. Forgive you of anything that, that you've done against him. Any sins you may have committed against him. Ask for forgiveness now. Before we go into the rest of this service. This is between you and God. Not me and you.
We just want to thank you for this time that you've given us. Lord, we just thank you for what we've heard. We thank you for the scripture. And Lord, we thank you for that peace that your son Jesus Christ has left in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God, I pray today as uh, we move forward in this service, God, I pray that you would just hear the petitions. Lord, the cries that are coming from the hearts of those that are here. God, I pray that you would just work in their lives, Lord. I know you'll forgive them. Lord, we all know that you're going to forgive us for where we failed you. Father, on, just on my behalf, God, I pray that you would forgive me where I failed you, where I failed the church, where I failed my family and my friends. God, I pray that you would forgive me for that. God, keep me close to you in all that I do. Remind me on a daily basis how much I need you and how much I depend on you. Lord, I know I mess things up. I'm guilty as the next person for doing that because I try to do things on my own. And Father, I pray that each day I would get closer and closer to you and rely more and more on you and your power and your might. Rely more on your love and your strong arm to get me through the day. And God, this, this evening as, as we go into the next portion of this service, God, as we uh, partake of this bread, and as we partake of this wine, as we, as we stop and think and remember you, Remember Jesus Christ, not just the birth today. Father, we're going to look further. We're going to look at this crucifixion. We're going to look at this resurrection as well. And we just thank you for having a living, loving Savior at the right hand of the throne right now. Still looking down on us right now, watching over his flock. And Lord, I pray we remember that. And we not forget as we go into this Christmas season, we do not forget not just the birth, but we don't forget that death and that resurrection as well. Easter's not far down the road from us. Lord, I pray that through what we do this evening, we just have a continual reminder in our hearts of what love truly looked like on that cross and in that manger. Father, we love you this evening. We thank you. And Lord, I pray tonight we honor you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. We are going to do things just a, a, a wee bit different tonight. Um, this is, will be kind of the the first time that we've had communion this way that's going to be prepackaged like we have in the past. If you don't feel comfortable um, in the, the bread and the wine as we have done in the 